0: Hello, friends, and welcome to a conversation unlike any other. Our Sunday Conversations, brought to you by the Golf Strategy Academy and Golf Strategy School. Whoa, hold up. That's all good and fun. But what we're doing here is we're talking to real golfers just like you. People who are struggling with consistency, struggling to break 90. And we are digging deep finding out what's holding them back, and helping them make a plan towards success and achieving their goals going forward. And with that being said, let's bring on our next guest. All right, real quick, just before this episode, if you want the Sunday Conversations to continue, I need more people like you to talk to. Head over to golfstrategyschool.com interview and sign up for your turn to have a Sunday Conversation with me. All right, let's get to the episode. Hey, Golf Strategy IT School, it's Marty here again with another one of our Sunday conversations. Today, I am joined by Royce Donovan. He's he's really averaging right around, like just kind of over that one hundred mark, right around one hundred and three, one hundred and four. He has turned in a ninety-two on the scorecard in the past. Uh, Royce, welcome to the show. How are you doing today?
1: Oh, not too bad. Uh, just chilling in the uh chilly weather here in the um coast of south carolina
0: yeah i got you go ahead turn the knife what's chilly
1: <laughs> uh well yesterday it was 33 so
0: oh that's about uh, our high today
1: to... <laughs> there you go um, i'm i'm super cold natured i i've got and it gets cold i'm i'm done
0: <laughs> well we were talking a little bit earlier about you know the the pros and cons of the cold. You know the pros is well up here in Wisconsin I don't have to worry as much about mosquitoes until maybe like May or June whereas you were telling me you got them the size of 747s down there.
1: <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Especially in the small areas.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ooh, no, I got family down in Florida and it's it's nice to visit like this time of year and then otherwise I I'll stay up here. <laughs> well, you've got you've got kind of an, an interesting story. You were telling me that you are are very much uh, a time crunch kind of person, where you work in college athletics, so your time is like almost always spoken for. You don't get a lot of time even to play, let alone practice. Uh, but really, when we're when we're looking at kind of golf as a whole and, and your relationship with golf. What are your kind of broad golf goals for the next year?
1: Um, my, my number one goal is always to have fun when I play the game. Um, I, I am relatively new to the game of golf. I've only been playing probably for about three or four years. Um, on a kind of a regular basis, my first set of clubs were a uh, borrowed hand-me-down, you know, slash hand-me-down type set um, from my father-in-law. And um, so, I mean, I, I eventually want to get to the point where I can go out and shoot in the ni- um, 90s, breaking 80s, I mean, not breaking 90s, you know, and hitting the 80 marks and whatnot.
0: Gotcha. So you know when we're thinking about this, that seems more of kind of a long term goal based on what we were talking about earlier about the amount of time that you have to practice. You were saying that normally your practice is just the actual action of playing the game, right?
1: Yes. My that is pretty much my normal practice time frame, or only time I really get to practice a different different shot or using a, uh, different, um, club like the 60 degree or, you know, the sand wedge or the pitching wedge or whatnot on a pretty much regular basis.
0: So when we're, when we're talking about the, the time you do get out to go out and play, if that's also functioning as your practice, is that nine holes or 18 holes normally? Uh,
1: usually, usually it's 18, um, the only time it usually gets cut down to 9 is when um you get the um uh what is the what you would call a pop-up storms and type stuff that happens oh, sure. around the the coastal environment type areas
0: gotcha so it's it's always the plan to play 18 it's just sometimes the weather gets in the way yes gotcha okay so you know when we're when we're talking about getting to that point in the future where we're consistently shooting in the nineties, occasionally visiting the eighties, you know, that the way you were kind of speaking to me, it sounds like that's maybe in the next couple years, what would you like to get done this coming year in 2020? What would your golf goal be?
1: Uh, Getting right into the high nineties range would probably be my, number one big, you know, next step is getting, you know, I don't, I'm not looking to go from averaging one Oh three to a 90. You know, I'm, I'm going, I'm willing to take the baby steps that needs to be taken, you know, to get to improve my game. Very cool.
0: Yeah. And that's something that's, that's really important for a lot of people to realize is that learning happens at a different rate for all different kinds of people and for all different kinds of reasons. For you, a lot of your learning is going to be just hampered by the amount of time that you have to practice. So it's awesome that you're cognizant of that and that you're not expecting to be like, okay, well, you know, 2020 is coming around. I want to shoot a 75, you know, to, to have a, you know, a realistic expectation is I think something that golfers really, really struggle with, especially if they've been doing it for a long period of time, they've just they've got this kind of baked in expectation of their self that, oh well, if you know, if the pros shoot 75 on a bad day, then you know, I guess I I should be able to shoot like 82. You know, and there's there's a whole bunch of shades of gray in between the 75 that that pro shot and the 82 that you know whoever's theoretically saying this is dreaming of. So good on you for, you know, for not having an outlandish expectation, but if we're talking about just kind of consistently shooting in the nineties versus consistently shooting in the hundreds, I have 100% absolute faith that you can do this. Matter of fact, if I would, I would guarantee to the point where I will shut down my podcast, if you can't accomplish that in the next 12 months, especially living in the Carolinas, it absolutely can be. Oh
1: yeah. Uh, uh, That, that should probably be the easiest. um, I don't, that sounds like bragging, but one of the easiest situations to be able to do, especially given where I live. At at that skill
0: level, it's a lot of decision-making versus actual, you know, beautification of the swing.
1: Yeah. Um, I know the, the few times I did, you know, have played, my dad used to play all the time and I, I grew up, I was, um, I've always been athletic, but I was more of a baseball, football, basketball type player, and it was always a matter of my swing was, my golf swing was definitely a baseball swing. Yep. Um, and that was something my dad had told me, you know, always told me growing up because I probably had the slice from hell. Um, because I could line up almost at a 90 degree and hit the middle of the fairway.
0: As long as you know where it's coming down, that's the important part.
1: (laughs) Um, Now I can line up fairly straight and hit the ball. I do have the, um, uh, as my father-in-law put it, the power fade. Um, so I have learned to control it some in the four years that I've been playing consistently.
0: Gotcha. So when we're looking at, you know, the kind of the, the evolution of your golf game, you know, we've gone from golf as like the secondary or the tertiary sport because of more traditional athletics to now it's becoming the you know the more common one. When we're you know, when we're talking about this this process that we're going through and and kind of transitioning from in the hundreds and breaking into the nineties, why is you know making that transition, that transformation in your game so important to you?
1: I guess it would be the the seeing the progress in the game that I know that I am improving and learning how to hit the ball, strike the ball, um, address shots and make shot decisions. Um, Let's, let's use it in an example of one of the traditional sports, a quarterback that goes out there against um, weaker competition is always going to look like he's the next Heisman, the next Joe Montana, Tom Brady quarterback on the field. But when he gets out there against up, you know, athletes that are on par level-wise with him, he's got to make better decisions. And that's what I'm looking to do because I go up there, I dress the ball, I look where I want to hit the ball. Um, I'm extremely happy when I hit the ball in where I'm looking at and in a manner that you know whether it's straight or with the power fade and depends on the hole out. you know if it's a dog leg right i i I try to use that power fade to my advantage, okay. So, um, so it's, it's all a matter of just seeing myself improve and becoming better, um, not necessarily as the um, score wise, but as I'm making better decisions and whatnot in my game, and I'm striking the ball better.
0: Okay, so yeah, when we're you know when we're talking about that decision making process obviously you know that the better decisions you make, the score is going to follow. Uh, What kind of mistakes do you see yourself currently making in that decision making process? Um,
1: I, I, the 10 cup attitude.
0: (laughs) God, who did Um, that just happen? That happened to somebody on the PGA tour like last week where they got DQ yeah, cuz they used every ball in their bag. I'm like, "Come on, they made a movie literally about this." <laughs> um
1: but but my 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 thing is is that, you know, I'll hit the ball into um that's not an out of bounds area. But it's still, you know, like on the tree line or whatever and I'll go up there and I still will strike the ball right, you know, Right there, whether I've got a – and I hit – and, you know, I grip the glove and rip it is probably the best way to put it.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So you're uh, aggressive in terms of line and swing. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Gotcha. So something more along the lines of kind of – the way that Dr. Bob I'm, not wrote
1: of, I'm not a layup type of guy.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Well, there's, you know, to the, the quickest way to go from shooting over a hundred to shooting under is to eliminate penalties and to focus on your short game. And so if, you know, if you have a power fade and it's not really taking you into trouble, doesn't sound like that's necessary. Like it doesn't sound like there's a ton of penalties to talk about, at least off the tee but maybe some of how we think our way into the green rather than going for the pin every time, you know, aiming for the wide side of the green and, you know, aiming for the middle of the green rather than, you know, the edge that the pin might be tucked on, stuff like that.
1: That would be it exactly because I'll sit there and I'll put myself, um, I'll have a clean shot straight to say the middle of the green uh, oh another thing that I struggle with is um I really do not know what I hit my clubs
0: if that makes oh, sense distance wise yes, gotcha
1: um so it's i uh, i'm I'm still learning that aspect every time I go out on the gr- out on the course um because one time I'll hit my um let's see. I'll use my, I, I use my seven iron one time on a, um, 134 par three. And I end up hitting, um, a two hopper, bounce off the flag stick and 16 inches from the hole. Nice. Which to my, you know, in, in my game, that is, the best shot I have ever had as far as like, you know, being that far on target, you know, that close on target and whatnot. Um, But I will go up there and I'll pull out the same club on the same hole and I'll hit it flush and end up over the green. Yep. And hitting it 150, 160, or whatever. And then I'll come up sometimes and hit the same club and I'll end up hitting it one fifteen and right on the edge of the water of the pond that's right there in front of the green.
0: So it sounds like we've got a lot of contact consistency issues there.
1: Is that what you yeah. say?
0: Yes. Okay, so are we are we talking like top in one, chunking the next one, blading the third one, duffing the fourth one, that kind yeah. of thing? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. So we uh, what's what causes that is an inconsistent low point in the swing. Does that make sense? So like where the club bottoms out, it's not happening in the same spot every time. That's why sometimes you blade it when it you know, when it just brushes the top of the grass and then you hit it right in the middle. And, you know, that's the that's the worm burner that goes eight inches off the ground and 170 yards dead straight. And then the next one, you know, you're digging four inches under the ground, three inches before the ball, and it goes seven feet and your divot goes 30 yards. Yeah, so that's the, that's the inconsistent low point. And one of the things that I really like to do to just to kind of, help people understand and and build a little bit of consistency in that low point. First off with our irons, we are hitting down on the ball. So like a, a slightly descending blow, we hit the ball first and then we take a little bit of turf. That's the ideal way. What I like to do to have people kind of build that feeling is and for someone who likes to go, you know, a hundred miles an hour and ignore training wheels, this might be a little bit tough for you. But <laughs> to to essentially take chip shots with an iron, whether it's nine iron, eight iron, seven iron, whatever the case may be, take real short abbreviated chip shots. I mean, like your hands barely get outside of your legs, and just feel what that that night's nice, crisp contact feels like. And for a lot of people who really struggle with that, what I'll do is I'll have them put the ball almost like where their driver would be set up. So like up on their front foot and just practice making chip shots, just crisply picking that ball and, and getting that nice descending blow on there. Cause if you can get used to hitting down on it, when it's that far forward in your stance when you then move it back to the middle of your stance to take your actual swings on the golf course, it's going to feel so incredibly second nature. It's going to be the easiest version of that that you've ever done in your life. Cause I'm all about making, and as someone who's done a lot of athletics throughout their career, I'm sure you're familiar with this concept, making practice harder than the game itself, right? That way when it comes to yes. the game, the game's easy, the game's easier than practice. So it's easy to do, what we've been training. So I work on over exaggerations uh, with my students. So something like that is that's probably where I would start your Royce is just gonna put that ball forward in your stance. You know, you're gonna you're gonna have to find, you know, maybe you don't play 18 holes one day, you play nine holes and you spend the other hour and a half doing some driving range time. But just work on putting that ball forward in the stance and just doing little crisp chip shots. And when you get three in a row that are nice and just, you can, when you get a real good one, the ball is going to feel almost like a marshmallow on the face. It's because you're going to hit it so flush in the middle and you're going to hear a nice, clean, crisp click like that. And I I have
1: experienced that actual feeling in that actual shot because I've, I've recently, started
0: hitting my pitching wedge really well. Excellent. And so the shorter clubs, it's a little bit easier to do with the shorter irons because those are naturally steeper swings because they're shorter. But when you get like three in a row that have that nice, clean, crisp click on that front foot, then what I would do is I would start to expand the length of the swing so we're starting out where our hands aren't really going too much outside of our legs, just because we want to make sure we get good, consistent contact. So the shorter the swing, the easier it is to control. So once we get through no. a good one like that, then maybe we come up to hip height. So like our hands get to our belt level. So the club's getting just about parallel to the ground. Let's do that until we get a good three or four in a row that are crisp and clean. All right. Now that we're doing it well there, Now let's expand out until, you know, if we were the middle of a clock face until our arms are at nine o'clock. So we're essentially like three quarters of the way back in our swing. And so what we do is we, we start with the small swing and we're just layering success after success. Okay. I've got, I've gotten three good ones here. Now I'm going to move back. If I, if I can't do three good ones out of 10 shots with my club getting to parallel, then I'm going to go back to the short ones where my hands don't get outside my legs. And I'm going to make sure that I get at least three out of 10 good from there. And then I'm going to give it another crack at the longer swing. So I always want to see people succeeding at least 30%. Otherwise the practice is too hard and they're not learning. They're just putting themselves through unnecessary trauma. Really sound like something you could do. Yeah,
1: definitely. Um, now, I do have, since you bought all this um, to light, one of the things that I've noticed, um, because when you're talking about bringing back on the short swing, another thing that I noticed that I do is, is when I'm trying to um, take off on a club and not get the um, full distance of that club, I have a tendency to check swing. If you know what I'm meaning.
0: Yeah. So I, you, Instead of
1: following, following through, I stop at the four or three o'clock position.
0: Okay. I'm fine with three o'clock, four o'clock. I'd, I'd encourage you to follow through a little bit more. I think one of the most important things for people to do is to, to have like a really solid nine o'clock to three o'clock swing, because you'd be surprised that you probably, you probably get like, eighty percent of your total distance just out of that motion so yeah if you're if you're okay. trying to take off I'm totally fine with you having an abbreviated follow-through as long as it's also accompanied by an abbreviated backswing so if we're going to nine o'clock instead of all the way up to 12 o'clock then you should correspondingly only be following through maybe till two or three o'clock rather than all the way back around till not even 12 o'clock, I mean, you see the guys in the PGA Tour, they wrap themselves all the way around on the follow-through to the point where they would be back at, like, 10 or 11 o'clock. They all yeah. through so hard. So, yeah, I'm, I am totally fine with that. Uh, one thing I would say, though, get this initial practice of finding that low spot and fine-tuning that low spot in the golf swing first before you start worrying about – abbreviated swings and partial swings because it's really hard to judge whether or not that abbreviated swing was a success. If you're not consistently hitting the ball the same way all the time. So let's, let's work on refining that uh, refining that low point. And then, you know, once we consistently have that, then you will have a much better idea of how far your clubs go. And then you will be able to shorten the swing and have a much clearer assessment as to whether or not you successfully executed your objective. Make sense?
1: Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And when you're sitting there saying, I'm sitting there looking at my backswing mentally, and I see where the things you're, you're saying I'm not doing.
0: Yeah. It's one of those, you know, do as I say, not as I do situations. Like you can even, you can tell yourself to do it the right way, but when it actually comes time to execute, you fall back into the bad habit.
1: Oh yeah. But, but it's one of those things that it's easy to do when you don't get the opportunity. And, and I'm not saying, and I'm not throwing that out there as an excuse or anything. It's, it's like muscle muscle memory.
0: Oh, absolutely. It is. You know,
1: that, that is totally what I do now without the practice. And until I get a chance to go out there and actually sit and take the time to practice, I'm, you know, I'm still going to have that same type of movement until I change the muscle memory.
0: Yep. So I think, you know, I think for a while we've got to do some nine hole rounds where we're doing like a solid hour, hour and a half on the driving range first and then moving out and playing that nine holes. And I'm a big believer in failure-based practice, which is why I was saying you want to work in at like a 30% success rate. Uh, Because if you're, if you're not succeeding at 30%, you have failed that objective and you need to move to the easier version of it. So, you know, doing things in sets of 10, I think is a, is a wonderful way to measure that. So, you know, doing your little, you kind of your early chip shots off the front foot. Okay. We're going to do 10 of those. All right. I like, I already know that I've got, you know, four of the first seven in the bag. I know this is going to be a success. All right. Let's finish out the set of 10, write it down. That way, you know, if you're improving over time, then move on to that bigger swing. All right. I need at least three, three out of 10. Okay. I got my three. Now I can move on to a three quarter swing. And then once you can get your at least three out of ten there, then we can move on to actually taking full swings with the ball in the middle of the stance. Yeah. So when you you do failure-based training like that, where if you don't succeed, you have to start over, that is a way to kind of not necessarily force the muscle memory to change, but it forces you to kind of assess the situation in a little more – Delicate of a manner.
1: Oh, no doubt, and I I definitely see that when when you're when you're talking.
0: Very cool. Now,
1: now I just got to execute it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So say we all. (laughs) Well, Royce, it has been an absolute blast talking to you over these last twenty or so minutes. We were commiserating over Harry Potter stuff because I'm in the midst of planning a birthday party for my daughter. And I can hear my wife's patience running out, so I better cut this call short. If you're going out and you're playing in the next week, what is the absolute first thing you are going to be working on after today's call?
1: Uh, I'm going to definitely work on the um, practicing the putting the ball on my front foot and practice striking the short swing.
0: Yep, we're just searching for ball first and that nice kind of rhythmic swing that you're going to stretch out Little by little, it's going to make you a lot more consistent on that low point. It's going to make you, therefore, much more consistent on how far your clubs go. It's going to let you change and adjust your distances much better. And hopefully that'll get you into the 90s like you're hoping for.
1: Oh, and if it don't, guess what? I'm just going to still have fun with it and um, enjoy my time on the course.
0: Absolutely. That's the most important part. It took me a long time to figure out how to have fun on the golf course, even if I'm not swinging the club. Well, so I, I credit my father-in-law with teaching me that.
1: The one thing that I've learned is, is that no matter how frustrated I get with my shot, it's it's the one thing I've got to remember is just always have fun with it.
0: Yeah. Well, and when we, when we look at it that way, you know, in the moment of that swing, this is kind of my mentality You don't necessarily have control in that moment over how good the shot's going to be. That is all determined by all the work you've put in in the past. So what you've done previously is going to determine how today works. You have to be able to let each shot go. I personally, I give myself 20 paces. And then like I can piss and moan about it for 20 paces. And then it's time to focus on what's in front of me now. And that's exactly. that's a way to let go of the bad shots. It's a way to focus on what's coming up next. And you know, because we're not dwelling on those bad ones, inherently we have more fun. Exactly. Thanks, Royce. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. All right, big thank you to Royce for sharing his struggles and opening up about how he has issues controlling distance. And you know, through our conversation we found out. It was due to consistency of impact, which was due to consistency of the low point. So if you're working on that issue, I I really encourage you to kind of follow that plan we laid out in this episode. Just put the ball up front, start with little tiny swings, and stretch and stretch and stretch that swing out. Obviously, the longer your swing gets, the more the 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 ball is going to come back towards center. If you want more help with your game, feel free to join our free Facebook group just in the facebook search just type golf 101 and it should be the first group that comes up it's golf 101 how to break 9 if you want to go through the exact structured practices that i have put hundreds of golfers through to achieve their best scores ever you can learn more about that it's the golf strategy academy head over to golfstrategyschool.com/academy You can learn all about it. Check out the different testimonials we've had from students, the different testimonials we've had from pros who are actually using these lessons with their students and seeing success as well. So until next time, everybody, I will catch you in the short grass. Cheers. Alright, thanks for listening to this episode of Golf Strategy School. As always, if you want to keep it in the short grass, all you got to do is put those lessons into effect. And if you want to see exactly how you fare in terms of your physical performance to other golfers your age, head over to par4success.com griffin, and you'll be able to see exactly where you line up and match up with other golfers your age based off of this